Thank you so much for that very kind introduction. Um, and <laughs> lengthy, I'm embarrassed, but, um, but thank you for inviting me here today. It's really a treat to be able to continue the conversation with Anna that we've been having for the last year or so. So um, thank you, and congratulations on a beautiful show. Um, so um, as was mentioned, uh, Anna and I have been working together in an exhibition called Myths of the Marble, which is currently on view at the Hennionstadt Kunstcenter, just opened in Oslo just a few weeks ago, and uh, we'll be traveling to Philadelphia uh, at the end of April. So um, if you're based here, you'll have a chance to see Anna's stunning work there. And there's a lot of correspondence with the work that's on view here, so um, I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, but the exhibition, uh, Myths of the Marble, is really thinking about the virtual, not in the sense of a kind of um, technological determinism of virtual reality, but thinking about uh, a kind of a repositioning of materiality and the body with regard to the virtual. And so um, Anna really made a lot of sense for the exhibition, um, which is really thinking about the way artists image and imagine the world as a set of limitations and a set of possibility that are working in tandem. And um, Anna's practice, which is um, so rooted in this idea of, of the materiality of the virtual, uh, made complete sense. So thinking about you know, the copper and the crystals that are embedded in our digital technology. So these things that we take as almost for granted as being um, totally immaterial, or we think of them as such high tech, um, things that are produced in our present actually have this deep geological time embedded in them. Um, so I thought that maybe that was one place where we could start because there is this tension between the high tech and the really kind of geological, organic nature of things in your work. Um, could you talk a little bit about that, that tension? Sure. <laughs> um, I guess I can just start with saying, yes, I'm a research fellow at the Academy of Art in Oslo, where I do a project that's about materiality. So when uh, Alex and Milena came to me and talked about this show, I knew that I wanted to do something about the materiality of the virtual or of the digital technologies. Because we here, like in the West, we have somehow inherited um, this idea that uh, something immaterial exists and something material exists. We look at the world as if it's divided into binaries, which it isn't. Of course, the world is more complex. So the virtual and the, um, the digital has somehow been placed or are being viewed as immaterial. And I wanted to, to look at that and to make an artwork that made it very clear that there are very material components to these technologies and also that there are so many processes and relations and narratives going on um, within yeah, our phones or our screens. Or, so I used materials that are found like in our phone screens, like all, all the raw material that we actually process and use. Um, so I use aluminium, copper, steel, I use gallium, I use the metal indium, and I combine them in different ways and have the materials react with each other. Um, wanting to show that material is also an actor and an agent. It has its own agency. It goes into different relationships, constellations. Um, it's an active force. 
And, and this force has also, um, uh, how, we should, how shall we say it, uh, affected by, by touch, um, and touch being something that is very deeply embedded in your work, and we can talk a little bit maybe about um, how that works linguistically for you, but um, on a very basic level, uh, Anna's really invested in as much the things that we can see, um, and the touch screen, you know, being something that's very obvious, but the things that we can't see that are outside of our perception. So thinking about atoms that are colliding with each other, all of these things, these microscopic elements that are our whole other world that are outside of our maybe everyday perception. So one of the things that I'm very interested in with her work is how she's investigating these lineages of touch from the microscopic atomic world to um, thinking about the minerals that are mined um, and the laborers that are taking these things out of the ground to then assembling the phones in the factory. So these many different layers of touch that are embedded um, in any one of these devices that we, we might be um, using on a daily level, uh, in our daily lives. It's like we think of things as separate entities or we think of identity as one thing, when in reality, like if you go into quantum physics, you go into like recent scientific discoveries, you see that everything is much more entangled. Um, so our material reality is much more like intertwined and even we as bodies are much more affected and more porous and uh, connected with the material world around us. Mm -hmm. And so within every piece of material, there's a narrative, and within the digital, there's a narrative of electrons touching, affecting each other, and then you can see from one to the next, to the next, to the next, until we get into the extended universe. And you also have the narratives of the labor that's between like, the, the digital. And I was, you know, this was one place I was kind of thinking of landing, but because you talk about this porousness, um, if we were just talking earlier about all the different materials that Anna uses in her work, and um, copper being one of them, and she was, she was just telling me this anecdote about how recently she was tested for her uh, metal, metal, metallurgic kind of levels in her body, and she has a very high level of copper that's, that's because her, she's interacting with these materials every day, so they're affecting her as much as she's affecting them, uh, which I thought was a really lovely metaphor for, for your, your practice. It's something that I was thinking about when I started the research um, fellowship that I wanted to have three years where I was together with the material and it was shaping me and I was shaping it. It's an existence with, it's thinking with, it's being with. So I'm inspired by thinkers such as Donna Haraway, Karen Brad, like the feminist science studies um, where they always think as a we and not an I. It's relational, it's uh, processual. Like, and I knew that I would be affected, so I do, <laughs> I do blood tests every now and then. And after having spent like a year and a half together with copper, um, my, my level of copper is very high. And then you have to balance. So but it's, it's just, I'm an example of what I'm trying to convey with my work. My body is an example. Which, I mean, I think also lends itself to some of the, the other questions about um, environmental change um, and catastrophe, potentially, <laughs> that's playing ahead. I mean, you, that is something that also runs through your work, is this, is, uh, this awareness of, of, of ecology, 
Um, and I know it was something that we talked about quite a lot leading up yeah. to the exhibition in Oslo. Yeah. It's also something that I thought about for this exhibition. Um, I was thinking about both being touched, being affected, being porous, working with materials, but also about how Donna Haraway talks about being a creature of the mud, like um, staying on the ground, being, being affected. Um, also that everything interesting happens in a compost. Or <laughs> like Caroline uh, Christo Bakagev, she talks about how she finds that nothing interesting happens in an archive because then everything is separated. It's all cleaned up, but everything interesting happens in the material and especially like in the compost, where everything is affecting and eating each other and uh, creating something new. Like the material is performing. Um, and in this exhibition, I also used my own DNA uh, in combination with dirt and with other materials to to think about growth and to make sculptures that speak about growth in a different way. I, I was I was holding on to my checklist here because I almost wanted to read out the really uh, sumptuous list of materials that you have in there. And, and that you specifically note that you've included your DNA as a material. Um, perhaps we can talk a little more specifically about the exhibition and uh, the works that are on view. And um, you know, talking about uh, this idea of the mud or the ground, could we maybe begin by this idea of, of being down low? Um, because there's also one of the things I really loved about the way that I decided to, to display the works is this idea that as a viewer, you have to come down to the level of the works. So, you know, often in a museum you have a pedestal that's at human level, but this is actually at, at the level of the ground, and there's this way that you force the, the viewer to, to come down low and maybe get on the level of the material that you're working with. Yeah, I, it's important to me that the audience or the viewer has like this more intimate relationship to the work and that you can it's very close and I like this movement of getting down that everyone is somehow on the same level. I think about Donna Haraway when she talks about multi-species models. You know, when they are on the ground, they are in the dirt. And mine are somehow multi-material models. So, or puddles, mm. yeah. And the other thing that to note about uh, Anna's work is that even though it might look like a, a static sculpture, it's always changing. And I think that's something that I really love about about your the way you think about the work um, is that there's it's always going through this alchemical process. Um, and so even even though this this looks like it might be you know a sculpture sitting in a gallery on a pedestal, it's actually still changing. And I think. That's very interesting, this idea of, of process and movement and this kind of liquidity that's embedded in your work. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? In matter, um, matter works somehow as waves. And so that everything is fluid, it's natural. And it's really interesting, just I was reading like one of the first like nature philosophers, Paulus of Miletus, who's talking about how everything is, is fluid and everything is waves. And it corresponds so well with what I'm reading when I'm reading quantum physics. And then this exhibition is, of course, called Mattering Waves, because everything is traveling waves, but also changing and being fluid. Nothing is static in them. Um, 
and the materials I use, I use them in a way so that they affect each other, hopefully creating new identities, new ways of being, coming to being together. Or when Karen and Brad talks about uh, interaction, which is coming, yeah, coming into being in a way that wouldn't happen like uh, separately. You would not come into being or, or exist the way that you are if, if that happens separately. Um, and these materials, of course, will change. These combinations will change. How much I have a certain sense of after having, you know, lived and, <laughs> and breathed and been with these materials for a while, but um, I know that they are fluid and still changing. The copper can always turn a different color. Um, some things become more brittle. They are traveling. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you actually maybe explain a couple of the works, how they're made? Uh, because that might not be obvious to everyone. Hmm. I guess what I should explain maybe is when I say I've used my DNA. Uh, because you can't see it if you don't know it. Um, some of the sculptors have these glass vessels that I've blown, um, they're hand-blown, so they already somehow have the touch of my mouth um, in the glass. And then I was thinking about um, glass as a vessel or as a pipe or as um, these shapes as symbols of veins. Uh, I created this mixture of my own DNA, of dirt, of mica in some of them, of dust, and I used a liquid polymer and I just poured a little bit on the bottom of like one of the glass vessels and it started to react and boil and expand. So the way that they are now is not the, the way that they started out. Um, the materials were really affecting each other. So when I was making them, I, I was thinking about them as some kind of shadow beings. They were my shadows because they also tell the story of like growth, uh, how growth can happen, or growth can happen when you add new materials to the mix as we are doing as humans in this time and age. And the blue that's often in the work is often copper that's been oxidized and mm. Those things are constantly changing and, and you're experimenting in your studio. So I often think of, of you almost like in a kind of series of scientific experiments. Could you talk a little bit about what your process is like as an artist? Uh, I, my practice actually started out with drawings and um, I was drawing a lot of minerals. I would draw organic matter like wood and I would try to think about how the material would evolve and change in time. Um, so I started reading more and more and, and started to make drawings that were not a documentation of what um, the mineral I had in front of me looked like at that time, but what it might look like. So it was a subjective documentation of a material. And then I started thinking that this being with materials needed to happen on a larger scale that I needed to be part of the process much more. Um, I somehow started with copper because I found it to be a very fluid metal. It's a great conductor. Its electrons are bound more loosely, like in most uh, metals that are good condu conductors 
have, they have this, what's called an electron seed, which means that the electrons are floating on top and, and makes the metal more, um, more affected by any kind of touch or process. But, and what was that, that step for you to go from drawing into the actual, I guess, the making? It's, it's a huge leap in a way to go from the drawing of, of something that you think how a, a mineral might, might be to mm. actually then deciding to tinker with all of these, mm. these materials. Um, it's, a, it's a very different, different way of working. Yeah, I think it's, it's more about wanting to, yes, one be with the materials to understand more of the process, to read more physics, I wanted to read more philosophy, and then quantum physics is perfect, because it's a combination <laughs> of both. It's and it's a very sophisticated understanding of it too. I mean, I, I feel like when we've engaged in conversation, you're you're able to kind of jump right into quantum physics, and I'm always like, okay, let me take a step back with you and follow along. It's it's uh, I mean the the Greek word poesis means making, so it's somehow like being and making with materials. Very related uh, or related to the poetry of art and the poetry of materials. So, yeah. And also the the way that you work with your materials, it's you might have a an idea of where they might take you. Like you know certain chemical reactions that take place when you work with copper in a particular way. But there's also a level of unpredictability. Um, when do you know when to stop? <laughs> of course, I mean. I make the final edits. Of course, the sculptures are, are mine in, in the end, but uh, I, I will never be in full control of the processes. Uh, and that's as it should be. Because this illusion of control that we have over material is just that, in an illusion. And I really believe that um, in times ahead, we will start to evolve our understanding of what science is and what materials are and what the physical world really is. Uh, we are somehow limited by this historical understanding, um, but also by our, our senses. No, and, and that's what I was hoping you might say, is because it's very much embedded in the ethos of your work. And I think that this kind of... Um, maybe this uh, micro uh, view of this is, is also a metaphor for how we are embedded within nature and these, uh, the way that we try to control nature and ecology and how at the end of the day these forces will perhaps overtake us. For sure, like they will come back <laughs> with the vengeance. Uh, no, but it's very clear for me also because when I'm working with copper, uh, my blood has very high copper content. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's about living and being together, being at risk together. It's about who, who gets to live and, and how. I mean, the times ahead are scary, um, but so important that we develop a new way of thinking and, and reflecting upon these issues. And that there are things that are outside of our, our perceptions and that it's not a, a maybe a human-centric project, which I think is also very relatable to Bharat and, and Haraway. 
Yeah, it's uh, humbleness, <laughs> being part, you know, but being proud of being of knowing that in my body there is more DNA from bacteria than from me. I am already like a multi-species, you know, mm -hmm. collaboration, and and knowing how to work with that, how to be um, part of something larger, um, a poetical system. Um, I think there's a lot of strengths and and uh, and joy in in looking at the world as more relational. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe a little bit more specifically about some of the works in there. Um, there's some some of the works have items of clothing. Um, can you talk a little bit about that as well, and maybe some some of the other material choices that are in the sculptures. Hmm. Um, I, I worked with textile quite a lot because I like to dye it with different plants or minerals or metals um, and also seeing it how, how a copper salt can somehow take over a textile and, and turn it into half copper, half textile. I like the idea that identity is fluid and that's what I also work with in the sculptures. Um, there is. Uh, all the textiles that you'll ever see in my work, they are dyed with, for example, walnuts, avocados, <laughs> copper, iron, like, um, and I think of them then not as textiles, but as fluid identities, or fluid beings. Um, I mean, there are other, other parts of sculptures which are, for example, uh, granite pebbles that I have fired with clay, and then I put it in aluminium salt, and with copper to get the color, and then you have the different growths and, and the different, um, yeah, different kinds of matter resonating together, creating new shapes. So how long were these sculptures growing in your studio? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> with my sculptures, there's usually, they have different ages. Some are recent, some doesn't take too long, others are have been through processes where they've been in different baths for like months and months. Um, but I also like that because within the material there's always, of course, different timelines and narratives. You have the, like the deep ecological or geological time that Alex was talking about. You have um, the time that is within a material, for example, how copper comes from the exploding nebula and travels to Earth. So copper has in it a lot of different narratives and timelines to begin with. And then there's a timeline of me um, working with it, being with it, changing it. And um, I, I know you, you talked a bit about this transition from drawing into the way that you're working now. Was that also really driven by the residency that you have now, or the fellowship that you have now uh, at the Academy? Uh, by having a space for research and also now working towards your PhD? I, I mean, I was already changing my practice, but the fellowship really propelled this um, process because I can do experiments and, and work in all the workshops at the Art Academy and also, um, especially after the workshop managers leave work. <laughs> so I've been like a creature of the night at the art academy, like running around with a gas mask and doing all kinds of forbidden experiments, which is great. It's, um, I will also go into more um, 
like working relationships with scientists at the university and trying to look into water is actually the next project. Um, because there are some discoveries that say that water holds memory. Mm. Mm. And if water holds memory of everything it's been in touch with, then that changes a lot of things because we, for example, are water holding, holding beings. And um, when we drink water, we take in also other materials, other identities, other narratives. So again, it's these ideas of touch. And can you talk a little bit about that, uh, going back to touch you were saying earlier about when you were reading about the, the digital itself as inherently about touch. <laughs> when we were working towards Myths of the Marble, um, I was doing some research um, and digitus is actually um, meaning uh, finger and touch. So the digitus which led into digital has this um, finger touching um, meaning was important to the project and for developing the project. Um, should we keep going or? Because I'm realizing it's been a half hour. Maybe it's questions? Yeah. yeah. And if there's any questions from the. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, I think it's interesting how you talk a lot and beautifully about how materials always interact and um, influence each other and change each other. And then at the same time, in the exhibition, I see the sculptures very much as separated individual mm -hmm. entities. So, mm. did you mean to sort of stop that process or mm. freeze the moment? I mean, they're no longer mm. interacting. Well, it's a seemingly frozen moment. Um, but I think of them as being in flux and being together. But um, it's like a snapshot within the process. Uh, which also relates to an artist's practice, no? It's already, or, or always ongoing, but then you have an exhibition as a snapshot of where you are, and then it continues to evolve. Yeah, and I think that also relates back to, I mean, you know, even these things, or, you know, plastics, we think of them as totally uh, unchanging, you know, because uh, we see them in our current moment, but I mean, if you look back to your Apple II computer or whatever it is, I mean, the, the plastic has yellowed, and, you know, it's clunky, it's funky, it's things, things are, chemical reactions are ongoing. And I think that's one of the things that, that I think really your work speaks to, is the way the world is constantly moving and evolving around us that we, we're not always perceiving, we're not seeing all those microscopic um, interactions. Um, those relationships are continuing, um, even if we're not paying attention to them. And sometimes, you know, we, we don't see these changes until, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later. Um, we don't see ourselves change. We don't see ourselves change. <laughs> right, we look in the mirror one day and you go, oh my. <laughs> but it's, it's very similar, I think. Um, and that's one of the ways that, that I think your work also speaks to. Um, the limits of our own perceptions in the world and bodily experience, because it is very um, driven by the human condition. It is, of course, like um, the rigidity of language somehow, or, or um, the, the boundaries that we've somehow uh, made up, or... I feel that a lot of the ways that 
um, science has categorized things. It just belongs to a different time. Belonged to a time where you were scared of bacteria, you were scared of diseases, you were scared of death. You wanted to clean it up and categorize it and put it in archives. So nothing bad would happen. Mm. Hopefully then we won't get old. <laughs> we will not die. <laughs> but you kind of point to that too, and I mean, I think what Johanna is also pointing to is that you have these very clean, almost Judd-like boxes that mm. are containing these messy material things, right? They're, um, you're pointing to a kind of system of display, uh, maybe that refers to the art world or to, to something else, but that, that is about this kind of containment. Um, and, you know, even thinking about the work that you made uh, for at the Henneonstadt, there's this very clean, high-tech kind of display system with these kind of puddles of, of, of metal and, you know, fibrous things, um, chunky things, crystals growing. Uh, but offset by, by, by a, a certain severity or cleanliness, which one might take to be hmm. this context hmm. that um, we impose on things. Yeah, but these things can vibrate and exist next to each other. You know, yeah, it's, it's not like it's one thing or the other. No, absolutely. Hmm. And that's maybe the constellation that you've also provided. Hmm. I don't want to hug you, so <laughs> there's other questions. Are you thinking about the drawings? Or? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, you mm. mentioned it, but I mm. would like to. Mm. Yes. Well, for me, it's maybe not as different as, okay. as for the viewer because it, it, it belongs to the same kind of thinking. Um, but I think it was. It's, my drawings were very detailed, it took a long time to make it, so it's a very meditative process. And. and um, Somehow, it belongs to this process of being with, thinking with materials. Um, it's, it's a, maybe the results, some results are quicker, but I'm, I'm thinking in a long term, like, uh, scale. Uh, but maybe also the change in scale, because I think that's something that's really very dramatic in seeing some of your earlier work and where you are now, because there is, it's, very, there's a lot going on in a very small space, and you talk about intimacy. Um, mm. Could you talk maybe a little bit about that shift in scale? Because I think that is maybe that's partially what you're also gesturing to. Yes, uh, mm. I mean also drawings are more intimate than a tutel, like it's mm. very process based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think for the viewer, it's like a very big <laughs> difference. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I try to invite the same, um, the same feeling of being intimate with the work so you can bend down and be with them. And there are all these tactile details. Um, but um, I think the largest uh, or the, the main difference for me is that I get to create rooms, I get to create constellations and atmospheres and, and, and try to um, communicate something that's very important to me in a different mm -hmm. way. Um, 
drawings are often viewed as mere documentation. But it's also it's a different kind of phenomenological experience as a viewer to navigate through these and you don't cover them over. I mean, that also is a very, it's a big difference. You could have protected them, but here they're, they're susceptible to perhaps somebody touching them or dust. I mean, they're, 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 um, they're fragile in that way. They're, they have a, uh, an openness as opposed to that kind of museum boxed off. Kind of display system, which you could have chosen to do. Yes, but they are open, vulnerable, material <laughs> bodies, just as we are. Right. You know? and that's, that's the idea. I would never box them off, like even if they would, you know. I've had some accidents here and there. That's just part of it. Right. Mm. Now, I was just curious about like the framing, as you talked about, mm -hmm. sort of a display, and how that worked in relationship to the kind you know, to the process and how is your like decision making towards like how to display something in a you know art space or context, hmm. yeah. Yeah. and how then yeah how do you frame those things? Which things can be together and not? And, hmm. and yeah, relationship between that. Well, I, I think when it comes to displaying the works, I'm also. Um, referring to or being inspired by like scientific displays. That's also part of the thinking process. Um, I've been interested in like the early scientific uh, collections for quite a while. Um, I think the difference for me is I, uh, I sometimes feel like I'm in a dialogue with those collections, but that I, I, I don't want to present things in a hierarchy. That's the main difference, that you can actually, you can lean down, it's intimate, you can be with the work, and you can be with the material. Um, hmm. There is, I mean, there is that kind of petri dish kind of feel to some of the works. Yeah. Would you ever um, think about, I guess, different contexts for display that, that makes me, when Pratna mentions that, and, mm. you know, would you, would you want to kind of be with the works in, in other areas, would maybe, a different yeah, physical context. <laughs> For sure. Like, um, I have some projects coming up and, and some things will be in like a natural history museum. And maybe the dialogue with like um, the early science and those kind of collections and, and display forms will be, you know, um, more mm, direct or yeah. Or yeah, a larger part of the conversation. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>